The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Eliza Pressman, and I am just, I don't even think I need to give an introduction to the incredible, wonderful friend I have on today, Jennifer Garner. We love her, all of us. She's every mom. So I thought this would be a real treat, especially because this is my pub week. If you have not purchased the five principles of parenting, your essential guide to raising good humans, today is the day to get it. It will arrive. It will finally be here. I'm so excited. Please order it. And don't forget to let me know. Take a picture, post it on Instagram, and you can tag me at Raising Good Humans Podcast. I want to know that you've checked it out, that you're sharing it with the world, and that we can all have a little bit more relief, ease, and guidance. I am here for you. And it's finally here, and I know I've been talking about it endlessly. So thank you. I'm so excited that you're going to have this. And if you enjoy this episode, do not hesitate to subscribe, rate, and write a little review. And now here's Jennifer Garner. Put your hand on your heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know that when you put your hand on your heart, it is comforting in the same way that a hug is or take a deep breath into your nose, gently purse your lips and go out and now say, Aliza, I love you, girl. Jen, I love you, girl. Aliza, I love you, girl. Jen, Aliza, I love you, girl. <laughs> okay, I think, I mean, that was a good start. Yeah. Do you know what I've noticed about your book? Okay, so your book, it's so hard to sell something or to have something coming out because you really do have to link at the marketplace and then you have to do it again and again. But there's a lot that you haven't talked about. And as your biggest fan (laughs) and (laughs) as your number one subscriber, listener, all the above, I think let's focus on some of those things. I'm so excited. I keep talking about the same things. I love to talk about something else. Yeah. Let's talk about other things. Like, for example, let's talk about all the nuggets okay. that you have in here. For example, you offer 150 ways to regulate. And you talk about the importance of regulation. And I, you know, you can give us a little bit about that. But then I'd love to go in and look at all the different opportunities you give parents to regulate in the carpool line before you address a child that you think may have been smoking <laughs> before you deal with a child who's having a tantrum or a scary thing is happening in the world and you have to talk to your kids about it or there's so many little nuggets and I think it's it's important to let people know that those are available here in this brilliant book the five principles of parenting some of them are you you really are into a thing where what's it called where Like you spell out an acronym. I never was into acronyms, but Dan Siegel's so into acronyms. And he was like, he built things. He's like, that's how people remember things. So I've been trying to do acronyms. Well, we like to follow what Dan says. We like to follow what Dan says. Dan knows what he's talking about. I guess that works. And then turns out you can make anything an acronym. It Mm -hmm. really is. Yeah, if you think about it I have so many more that I didn't put in because my editor was like, I think we're good on (laughs) I bet I want them. Will you give them to yes, me? I'm Can I get a special discarded acronyms? <laughs> okay. Sorry, look at my look at my book. 
Yeah, I feel like I could just take a picture of that and it would be <laughs> epic. <laughs> this is what I want to say here about your book. Well, just to start off, this is Jen's review. <laughs> I was trying to read it as someone who was going to need to talk to you about it. By the way, it's my second reading. I read it the first time before I wrote a little something for somewhere. The back. Okay. Why am I not on the front? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, kidding. So I was trying to read it and take notes and pay attention. And really what I found out was that I have an 18, a 15, and an almost 12-year-old. And I'm still so hungry for this information. And it feels so relevant and pertinent to me right now as a parent in this moment that I would get distracted and just keep a list of questions I have for you about my kids on the side. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and think, and it just really brought to mind, wow, when is the last time I sat down and went over values with my kids and thought about it? We did it when they were little. Mm -hmm. But where are they? What were they? And do they do they still apply or do we need to come up with with some new ones? What what are my boundaries around this or around that? And have I really spoken to my kids about it and made it clear so that we're all on the same page? Have I spoken to my kids about what I expect without offering a bit of something that I don't think that I have, but I think I must, which is perfectionism? I think you might. <laughs> I think I might. Because <laughs> my daughter is always like, you say you don't sweat my grades because... Because you don't have to. Because I don't have to. Yeah. Right. Because that's the kind of kid she is having nothing to do with me. But what am I then imposing on my other two kids mm -hmm. who are, are great students as well? But still, what am I imposing on them that isn't fair? And have I had that conversation with them? And am I focusing on the right things when I talk to them about this kind of stuff? All of this and more is right here in the book, including some really beautiful nuggets that I just keep folding down the pages for all of these little mindful moments, including these great acronyms that you came up with, games, balance, bad. And then you just add different things in here that I've maybe heard at some point, but they're all in one place, which I really appreciate, like the noticing exercise, the hand on the heart exercise, just like me, the Buddhist, mm -hmm. kind of the Buddhist mantras and regulation, different regulation exercises. So take us through one that maybe you've forgotten about, or I have them all no noted and I can do it if, if you've forgotten them all. Well, I will say, first of all, thank you, obviously. But I want to tell you that to go back, I'm going to go to the regulation thing, but just to say that in writing this, I ended up being like, I haven't gone back to the values conversation mm -hmm. and my, my family, kind of like, what is our family values statement and what is their individuals and they're older now. And I definitely had that same, like, hmm, we should revisit this. Okay. So I have a question for you. Pardon us if some of this skews teenagery that's where we are and we know each other's teens. And so they go to school together. Mm -hmm. So if you try to have that conversation with your girls, I mean, they're your daughter. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure they're used to this nonsense. Yeah. But how much will, will they give you an eye roll and then comply? Or are you in for it? I have to choose when. Mm. And it's definitely when we're, when nobody's busy. Like I, mm -hmm. I don't interrupt them and say like, we need to take a break because I want to sit down and do a family mission statement mm -hmm. and not when they're upset. But if like I say it, let's do this activity. We did it for New Year's. That was our, let's mm. figure out this year, not only what's our family one of the, just our little 
unit, but what's your individual one? Mm -hmm. And they took it really seriously. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting just thinking about temperament. My older daughter Mm -hmm. and my younger daughter, their personal mission statements and value statements were like as if <laughs> they've never met. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and they were willing to share this And they with were you. willing to share it. And if they hadn't wanted to share it with you, would you would have been okay with that? Yeah, I would have said, let's just, we'll come back to it. I, would, I just would love for you guys to think about it. Man, a tradition is a nice thing, isn't it? It is. A tradition like a, a New Year's Eve, my kids and I always do something. I mean, I'm not even sure exactly what it is. They kind of remind me, but I think we write down something we want to let go of, something we want to manifest, something we're grateful for, whatever, and throw it in that fire. And they never show it to me. Boy, do I want to see what that is. In the morning, I wish for the Mary Poppins like like taped up (laughs) thing to come back down and tell me that it's really Mary Poppins. But I, you know, I... Let them have their privacy, whatever (laughs) you say to. Many times, by the way, when I do, because of what they're used to, they're like, don't do the professional parenting, please. Mm -hmm. And they know that's the thing that gets me the most crazy. Because, of course, I'm like, I don't ever want them to feel that this gig is somehow... They're experimental objects. Yes. Mm -hmm. So... When, for example, my daughter gets in the car and is, you know, talking about something unpleasant about her day, I have to be so careful not to say something that sounds scripted in any way, shape or form. And I basically am just like, don't speak, don't speak. You know, what's amazing is that the rest of us are being so careful to try to sound like you and you're being so careful to try (laughs) to to sound like like anyone but you. Exactly. Yes, it's true. Mm -hmm. I don't want any whisper of whatever it is that people think I might say. Right. It'll get you in trouble. Because I think ultimately, if it seems like you have an agenda. Mm. Oh man, gosh, is that the truth? And now a quick word from my sponsor, Mustela. For over 70 years, Mustela has been helping parents care for their families with clean and gentle skincare that's respectful of people and the planet. And with decades of dermatologic research and ethically sourced natural ingredients behind the formulas, you can feel good about what you're putting on your baby's skin. It's French family owned, proud to be B Corp certified. And the key ingredient in Mustela is avocado, which helps protect and hydrate the skin. And Mustela uses an average of 97% natural ingredients in their products. And they have a great organic brand. Now, I remember Mustela from even before I had babies, because I like the smell of the cream and the wipes and all of it. So it's not just for babies. It can be for your whole family. It can be for your teenagers and it can be for you. I like to have the portable wipes in my bag at all times because you never know. And I don't even have a baby with a tushy to wipe. It's really just for kind of cleaning me off, wiping hands, and just like knowing that there's something that smells nostalgic and fresh available. So visit mustellausa.com and use the code humans at checkout for 15% off your first order. That's M-U-S-T-E-L-A-U-S-A.com and use the code humans at checkout for 15% off your first order. Okay. Moms know the routines are good. We like routines. They help us live with a lot of chaos. They help us have 
an easier time getting things done. They help us feel like there are some things in the world that are predictable, which is very soothing. And that is why I love my easy and very effective skincare routine from Dime Beauty. So let me just tell you a little bit about it. Dime Beauty is clean, high-end skincare, and it's affordable. And it actually works. I have been using it since I was gifted the product and I'm continuing to use it. Dime doesn't sacrifice performance to make it clean either. And when I say clean, Dime is 100% transparent about every single ingredient. So you can use their products daily with confidence. I wanted to take all the guesswork out of my routine. So I started with their very simple works collection. So I don't have to remember the order of a 10-step routine, nor do I have time. Frankly, I don't have the discipline. I don't, I don't even know who does. I know some people do, but the work system has everything you need in one powerful package. It has a cleanser, a toner, two serums, two luxurious moisturizers, and their tinted glow wonder screen with SPF 30 just came out in new shades. It has great five-star reviews and you got to use sunblock. So love your skin again and go to dimebeautyco.com and unlock your discount. That's dimebeautyco.com. Just on the mission thing, and then we'll, we'll move on in, in case it matters. I love how you, you offer up that people should just let it rip. Come up with yeah. whatever you want to come up with. Don't limit yourself. Don't be high-minded about it. If it's playing with Legos, let it be, be playing with Legos. If it's knock-knock jokes, let it be playing yep. with knock-knock jokes. As a little kid, it can be kisses, books, ice, ice cream, cream, you know, <laughs> snuggles, whatever. Whatever is important to them. And then bunch them into words that are that encompass all of it, whether it's empathy, or I love the one delight or games or whatever it is. And, and let that all respect, you know, let all of that settle into something that is bite-sized that you can, you know, spell out on your refrigerator with magnets <laughs> pretty exactly. easily and just be reminded by, and I'm, I'm super, super eager to do it. So, I mean, we, you really read <laughs> carefully. Yep. Of you. <laughs> so on that, I feel like we could, because if you go, if you just let it all out, you're not self-conscious. Like I know there's a version of a family mission statement that I have that is my, you know, high-minded, imagined, yeah. high-minded mission statement and maybe was my original one mm-hmm. from when I had babies, but it's not actually how I live or parent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's not useful. Right. We want it all. I mean, I could write you a, a mission statement that would just make your hair curl up <laughs> and just put a pink in your cheeks and you'd be like, wow, but it, it wouldn't really reflect the home that we're in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I remember the, the reason why I wanted also for the exercises your kids just are even able to speak, asking them like what they think yours would be Mm -hmm. is that it gives you the, just like it's a check-in. It's it's a real honest check-in. Like, am I, are we living and am I engaging in a way that is aligned with this mission statement or is that just like a pretend me when the real me really does care about certain things that I didn't include on the mission statement? I bet my kids would think that grades were 
way up there. Well, they would know funny was number one because I've mm-hmm. always told them their whole lives, just be funny, please. That's why I had you yeah. amuse me. Not interested in you if you're boring. <laughs> yeah, just be funny. <laughs> so check, check, check. I've got, that, you is, do. that is one thing. Thank God. But after that, <laughs> I, I do worry that I, I have offered them an idea of something as important that rates higher in in the way I'm acting than how I actually feel. Excellence. Excellence. Everyday excellence all the time. Excellence, you know? Yeah. And that's about me. That's not about them. That's about me looking back and thinking, oh, I could have done X, Y, Z if I had known that I would care later. Mm-hmm. But I think that's reasonable. That's reflecting and yeah. saying like, what are the things that I would have that I would have wished for and how can I decide, I guess you then have to decide, is it worth it? Is Mm -hmm. it something that is the journey that each kid has to go on and find it later? Or is it something that I should provide for them Mm -hmm. that support until they embody it or discard it on their own? Something that makes me happy is that I notice that you celebrate, and I don't think you, you name it thus, although my mom, this is what my mom calls it, benign neglect. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I I think when I had my first, I was so all over that kid. Gosh, I was so all over my kids when they were little. It has been the best thing that ever happened to them was for me to build up my own life underneath. Mm -hmm. Because then you have to sort of not be on top of them for everything. I totally agree. In fact, I recall people criticize that mm-hmm. like way that phrase and mm-hmm. it's a hundred percent like not it's not neglect it's, it's not neglect actually so thoughtful and and giving and generous to your children because it gives them space and autonomy yes it, it's letting them own their own lives I mean I call it experience exactly I think I maybe use a more formal term of autonomy supportive parenting <laughs> but it, autonomy supportive parenting is benign neglect Mm -hmm. because when it really matters of course you're like the most there but you have to let them think that it's like they don't need your perfect way of doing things Mm -hmm. to micromanage yeah and they can how they're going to do in whatever activities they're doing whatever plays play they're doing at home whatever their hobbies they're in the middle of it's just not my business Mm -hmm. Now my kids are bigger, but when they were littler, I wish I could go back in time and adopt this at a younger age. I think they would have benefited from me not feeling like I was their number one main all the time playmate. Yeah, I think about sort of how to balance because I I remember once when my kids were younger, they were in the pool. I was trying to read a book. They were old enough to not need me to watch all the time. Mm -hmm but young enough to care what I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and every second, one of them was like, mom, look mm-hmm, at this, mm-hmm. mom, look at this. And I was like, I wonder if I've given too much, mm. you know, delight mm-hmm. at every move in just playing that now they're like, we need that to the make audience. sure we're having fun and yeah. make sure that this is going well. And I think that was, I, I feel like there were different points throughout their younger lives that and I still do it where I'm like, this is the moment where I'm having an, uh, you know, a realization that, and all of it goes to, yeah, like 
letting go of certain things I was kind of clinging to as my responsibility as a mother. Mm-hmm. I'll say something that I really love is that you offer up ways to play with your child. Because I think you don't not automatically know how to play with your child. I love the idea of the magic elevator. Just let's just talk about some of your ideas for for play, because if you're going to play, play. The magic elevator and many other examples come from my friend Jocelyn Green, who is this, she was a theater actress and she realized that improv is the way to go. And I actually think improv we could take improv and debate and implement it everywhere, the world would be a better place. So she has all these amazing improv games. And I felt like, because I have the same thing where I, there were certain things like dolls where I just, it's not for me, Mm -hmm. but it was such a dreamy thing for my younger daughter. And I think delight and Mm. the experience of feeling delight and showing delight and engaging in this un like like there's no agenda you are just playing is so beneficial to kids but it's so hard for us to do so I wanted to just give some ideas for if you're struggling because it's not that fun for you there are ways to make it a little bit more fun and also for you to just start to get to know yourself better. Like how, mm-hmm. what does, what is play to me? That's mm-hmm. very foreign. And I love the awe research that's just like, actually we thrive, we get outside of ourselves, our whole nervous system changes when we can make sure that every day we experience awe. And that can happen in its most beautiful form in play with kids. In case anyone's just listening to this and they have a little one at home, let's just list a couple of fun games okay that they can just play tonight because if you have an idea it's like thinking of a recipe sometimes yeah. it's like what am i going to cook for dinner but if you have a recipe and you have something you're excited to cook then you don't mind the dinner making yeah. process at all and i think the same is true honestly of just play with kids is that a crazy yes, thing to say no it's not a crazy thing to say i i really fought to keep play and, yeah. you know, delight in this yeah. because it's so important and it's hard and it, it's, it's not obvious. It's the quickest way to connect. Yes. it and, and kids remember it. They hold on to the idea of you playing with them. Can you, as, because this is your jam, mm-hmm. would you explain Magic Elevator yeah, for everyone? Yeah, let me, let's talk about Magic Elevator. This is so fun. So you create a square on the floor. You can have pillows, you can have Painter's tape is really comes in handy for a lot of things. Painter's tape is so dreamy, even if it's like... I'm just remembering, we had a gymnastics mat when my kids were little, and we put it on the ground, put painter's tape roads all over it, and then put painter's tape like, this is the school, this is the store, this is the jail, this is the yeah. this is the park. And then we had it like basically Hot Wheels, but whatever. And we would zoom around and had little families and we played with that stupid thing. It wasn't fancy. I know you can buy them with them pre-made, but because we made it together and the kids got to say- So much more. Yeah. And it was, couldn't have been more rudimentary. I'm not artistic, nor are you. I'd like to just start for the record. Certainly not. Certainly not. (laughs) But it is like, it's just so fun. I love when there's something you're playing with your kids that you can't get, wait to get back to as well. That's the thing to find. But that's a great example of just like all you need is the painter's tape and you can come up with a gazillion things. You can do laser 
you know, you have to get across the lasers and climb oh, under and yeah, over and yeah, it's just yeah. painter's tape. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay, so Magic Elevator, you create like a little elevator with whatever. You you denote a space on the ground. Now you go that you imagine there there are doors that close and there are buttons to choose from. So one might take you, it's magical. So it, it, it could be like Magic Treehouse or it could take you to a time. It could take you to a forest. It could take you... It could take you into the American Girl doll store or something that your child is fantasizing about or the middle of the Super Bowl or a Formula One. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like kids have all these fantasies and it's so fun to watch them imagine what they would have that door open to and then let them choose your buttons and then you pick one and maybe your kid thinks that you really just want to be in a Williams-Sonoma or something uh, like that, which is where my kids would have put me. <laughs> and just like, it's just so, it's just not. a funny, fun thing to play, yeah. you know? And it's really cool. I remember the first time I did it was my kids were doing it with Jocelyn Green and I watched all these kids and you see these different personalities emerge. And the cool thing is that in the fantasy of play, you come out and you can be a different character in these places mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's safe mm-hmm. and it's magical. Yeah. And if they're upset, side note, and they're going through like a want mm-hmm. that they can't have, oh. they can do it in the magic elevator or any of these kinds of games. Like they, they're very good for self-regulation. There's, I didn't understand when my kids were younger, the power of the wishing as if. I, I, what would it feel like if I hadn't made this mistake? Trying to imagine. What would it feel like? I'm going to pretend as if I had won this award. How would that feel? And there's something healing about that, right? Yeah. Yes. Even though it's not real. No, it's, but it's like you're getting the experience of knowing and get it, and you're getting to know yourself. It's, it's a big part of reflection. I can't think outside of these five principles anymore. Like I'm like, it's everything is this, but it's so healing. This is all in your book though. Your five principles are so strong and they really thread the whole book together. But your book is chock full of really practical nuggets, not just the overarching how to become a better parent, but how to become a better parent, how (laughs) to regulate, how to play, how to connect, how to repair, how to draw boundaries and what those conversations can look like. And that to me is so exciting because it is a recipe for success. When you are in that role or doctor for that matter, whatever, Mm -hmm. you are making a decision in your play that is intentional Mm -hmm. and you're exercising the self-regulation muscle and you didn't even know it. But what would that character do? That character is not going to react the way you would react. They're going to react the way the character reacts. That's why pretend play is so highly linked with executive function skills. Wow. A little, I just wanted to throw that in there. Wow. And now a quick word for my sponsor. Okay, so ExpressVPN is really important to install in your kids' devices. It's an app that hides your real IP address and replaces it with a dummy one. That keeps you safe and private. It's also important for your own devices. And it's really easy to use. You just download the ExpressVPN app on your phone or computer. You tap one button to turn it on and you're protected. Even at my ripe old age, I am completely, you know, not, I am just not, I'm a Luddite, if you will, and I could figure it out. 
And the coolest part about ExpressVPN is that they let you choose what country you want your IP address to look like it's coming from. It's very helpful when services like Netflix or Disney Plus give you different shows depending on what country you're in. It's kind of nice, a little bonus. So secure your family's online activity and unlock tons of new shows by visiting expressvpn.com slash humans and use my link and you can get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash humans. ExpressVPN.com slash humans to learn more. You know, with technology the way it is, making sure that you have privacy is really important. Do you remember those life insurance ads on the radio when you were a kid? Probably not. Because that was for your parents to worry about. And guess what? Now we're the parents. So now we actually have to pay attention and think about this thing that is just, it's just not pleasant to think about. It's time to get life insurance to help protect our families. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick and easy to get a high quality policy so your family is covered if the unexpected happens. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes, which is unheard of because this whole process can be such a pain. You could go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes without a health exam required. So because Fabric can give you a personalized quote in just minutes, and then apply to when it's convenient for you, all online, all on your schedule. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash humans. That's meetfabric.com slash humans, M-E-E-T fabric.com slash humans. Something that can be part of play is a is dysregulation. Yep. It doesn't go the way you want. You get interrupted by a phone call that you have to take. A sibling wakes up when you least expect it. You have told this child, I'm going to give you 15 minutes of special time, but then the special time is up and you have to go. Or they want things to be possible that aren't, they want to really fly if they're, they want to. And something that I think your book really this is just so, so important. And I can think of a million ways this made me send a text to one of my kids as I was reading your book today, because I just thought, oh my gosh, the power of repair. And I know you've talked about repair ad nauseum, but we can't talk (laughs) about your book without really talking about repair. And let's just take it in a different context. Let's take it with a kid who's unhappy that playtime has to end or that their special time has to end or, you know, whatever that is. What does that look like later? Just talk us through. So in that case, like if your dysregulated child is disappointed Mm -hmm. because they just had the best time or maybe they didn't have the best time and it got interrupted or whatever it is and you are now disconnected and they got upset, but you still had to go take that phone call. Yeah. And you feel like crap mm-hmm. because you saw that you left them so upset. The next time you see them, 
I don't even think you need to say the right thing. You need to notice what your particular child needs to feel like they're back in sync with you, Mm. which again, doesn't need to be, it's not a dance really. It's like a sloppy dance. So if you know this child just really likes touch, Mm. then you engage in reconnecting physically. Mm-hmm. And in the melting in with each other and the hug and the cuddles, you've made repair mm-hmm. because repair is just reconnecting. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, or you can, of course, formally apologize, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that's not necessarily, I mean, I just did in the car with my child who has been a little frustrated with me as of late. Mm-hmm. And I started to take a deep breath and I was like, I understand that it must be really hard right now because I am working a lot more than usual and I'm a lot more on edge and I'm not super excited about it. And I'm trying really hard to manage my own nervous system. Anyway, I'm trying to make this apology and I'm midway through. (laughs) And my daughter was like, yeah, I know what's going on for you. I'm very clear about it. I don't like it. I know you love me. Like, you don't need to keep apologizing. Like, that's not what it is. It's just, it's a frustrating time. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it. I was thinking how annoying it must be if you only make repair all the time about apologizing. Yeah. So it really, like, if if I can just help people memorize, it's about reconnecting. Mm-hmm. So I would have been better off getting in the car and putting on a favorite Taylor Swift song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm than laughing and singing badly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then. And that would have still been repair. It just might not have been as wow, annoying. Wow, I'm glad you said that. That is really important to know. Repair is reconnecting. Hmm. And with ourselves. Yeah. Because it's not just repair with our kids. It really is like we have to get, you know, this is like, we have to do the same thing with ourselves. Your emphasis on regulation and particularly self-regulation in order to co-regulate with your child is really, really helpful. I found myself in the position to need to self-regulate around my kids as they are all in these new kind of developmental spaces. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of decisions happening in our house. We have a lot of birthdays, moments, transitions happening, and it just doesn't work if I'm coming in hot. Yeah, it just doesn't. It just doesn't. And then, you know, my kids go back and forth between houses every week. And the first, for a very long while, when they would come here from their dad's house, I would be in so dysregulated. I'd missed them so much. I had worked so hard to be okay that when I saw them, I know they could sense my energy. And it sent us all into a tailspin. Totally. It took us a day. Yep. And now I really, I I had a friend who said, just meet them with delight. Mm -hmm. Just be delighted to see them. That's all they care about. So I do everything I can to take care of myself before I see them. I work out. I have a phone conversation. I connect with someone. I bake them something so I can focus on that and feel good. And then when I see them, I'm delighted to see them. And if they need to go to their rooms or do what they need to do to regulate, I let that go. You can, you can handle it. Yeah. 
I don't take that. Like, don't they just all want to sit on my lap all at the same time? You know? Yes. I remember the first times that I was getting used to having my kids come back and it it was exactly like that. Like I was so on edge Mm -hmm. that because I was like looking for were they okay? Are we okay? Is mm-hmm, everybody good? Mm-hmm. That it actually undermined just connecting because I yes. was not regulated. Yes. And now it's more, yeah, they're older. So it's more like even coming home from, I think, not taking personally just that a hug and then off to the room. And mm-hmm. you're like, why don't we, no, aren't we going to snuggle and Because they need to settle back into yeah. who they are in a different place. Absolutely. I just think you can't overstate how difficult transitions are yeah, of every kind. Transitions are just so hard. Yeah. No, I mean, that's why we need to, we, and we can't control how they've regulated other than to offer them our own. Mm -hmm. Gosh. Thank you for spending your life researching so that we don't have to. Mm. And when you started this, the first sentence of your book, I love this. Now that you don't have to be perfect, you can be good. John Steinbeck, God, he he knew what he was. Isn't that the best quote? Oh, I wish it. I had said it, but I feel like since John Steinbeck is a fairly well-received writer, it was fine <laughs> to steal his words. Here is the the first sentence I came made me think of my first question. The research is conclusive, period. And my first question really was, now that we've been talking for a while, how much of this book is informed by your amazing parenting groups and your your work with parents? And how much is informed by the work of being a parent? And how much is really based on the research that you did in your PhD program? I think it sort of, I started off intellectually interested in this before mm-hmm. I had kids. Then I think I had kids, but I was still on the intellectual side of Mm -hmm. it. And then I started working with actual humans Mm -hmm. and physicians and families. And I was like, note to self, Uh translating research is very tricky because a lot of it is not applicable. Gosh, I I love that you say throw out 25% of anything you read here because it won't work for you. For you. You really are offering the key points of all of this brilliant research, whether it's Carol Dweck, whether it's Dan Siegel and Tina Bryson. I love when you guys do your one-on-ones. Oh. Yeah, or your two, oh one, whatever those are. Yeah. When you're just answering questions, the two of you together. <laughs> so I, I'm always, oh, goody, goody. Internal family systems, the work of Dr. Tronic, the work of, you know, orchids versus dandelions. You're bringing all of That's these That's Thomas Boise to give him credit. Thank you. You probably spent you know, months on each of these, but you distill it down for us in a way that we can take from it what makes sense for us and our parenting and leave the rest. Although pretty much anything that you leave for now, you can loop back around six months from now and find a whole new world of things that will apply to your children and to you as a parent. Yeah. I really wanted to make sure that there was just everything under one roof and that it doesn't matter if you have a baby or if you have a teen, that it makes sense and it'll just land differently. Somebody can have a body of work that is massive and incredible, but how is that body of work relevant to you, Jennifer Garner, as you're raising your three specific kids? Yep. I'm trying to figure out like, what is the one kernel that you need from that information? Because of course you can't go through all of it. 
And I felt like it was a real honor to figure that out and to choose whose work to highlight when I was thinking about like what really matters because there's so many incredible researchers out there. There's so many that I couldn't fit in. There's so many that we can't keep up with them all. Hell no. As parents. Yeah. I mean, thank God for your podcast because it's S-R-O-U-F-E. That oh, oh my God. Alan Srofe. Srofe. He's like the father of sort of the longest running attachment study ever done. And you break down attachment for us, thank God, because it's so confusing. Dr. Sears was still, everyone was Dr. Searsing when I had a baby. Yeah. And I Doesn't just feel good. There was no way I went back to work with my, when my first baby was just a few weeks old. And I, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to nurse and for that to be a source of comfort to me. Mm-hmm. But my gosh, I was so concerned that I was doing it all upside, you know, that yeah. my child wouldn't attach to me because yeah. of, because of that. And I love that the idea here that all you need is good enough because if we can all chill out, <laughs> I mean, I remember saying to my mom, it really matters every bite that goes into a kid's mouth. If I've made it and I'm feeding them that bite. And my mom was like, it really doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, it's not knocking it if that's your jam. Yeah. And if it feeds you and it, but if it's because you're doing it to get an outcome, that is mm-hmm. very different. Mm-hmm. If you're feeding every bite carefully because you like love food and love cooking mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. just so, this is your thing. I totally understand. Well, that's kind of what you're saying is that all things can work. Yeah. Like for a point in my life, that really worked for me. And you connect over it. It really worked for me to be so all in, to be every moment, moment in, moment out. I I think I was a bit too much for my kids, but whatever. And then it shifted and I was hungry for the part of me that goes to work in a different way. And we're okay now too. Yep. Thriving. And we don't even need to thrive. We can just be okay. Yeah. But I do think it's not to criticize. Like if somebody wanted to co-sleep for five years, also okay. I Mm -hmm. just don't like the nature of the biz that's not the, not this biz, Mm -hmm. not the LA biz, but the The parenting, the parenting biz of one particular approach Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absent of the five principles that are just sort of like the overall, we kind of know this to be true in the research, no matter what. Mm -hmm. But even things like yelling, Mm -hmm. do I think it's a good practice? Of course not. But it's different in one household to the next. If you have, I had an immigrant household Mm -hmm. that was a loud, yelly Mm -hmm. household that was so loving and there was no, it was not fear. It was yelly. It's a tone. Oh my gosh. I remember in college being with a friend of mine and her mother, they're Italian. Exactly. And they yelled at each other. And I was in the backseat of the car and I remember starting to cry because, I mean, I was like, I'm watching the end of a parental and child relationship. Right, right. That, that, I, that was, I couldn't have imagined speaking, like raising my voice to my mother, her raising her voice to me. Now we did plenty of other things. Right. But it's just what kind of house, sometimes it is what kind of yeah. house you grow up. And then they like, just picked back up and started talking about what kind, what they were going to put on their pizza. Exactly. And that's the key. Because for other people, there's fear. Like you can tell this is, this is not healthy or safe. This is terrifying. And that is not okay. But 
there's a difference. So I never want people to think that I'm saying like every household should be this tone. And just so that's not right for everybody. I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to change personalities. And I feel like sometimes in this gig with too much information, Mm -hmm. you start to, you can't help but sort of paint like a paint by numbers approach Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that doesn't allow for individual differences. Right. Like the people that you were, that you were talking about in your book who, for whom feeding was so stressful because somebody had told them they should have this much of one thing. And so they're counting bites or they are, you know, really obsessing the Pat Garner approach of, you know, some days you're going to eat a lot of one thing, some days you're going to eat a lot of another. You just put good stuff out there. You put fruit and veggies on That's the counter. The she could have written that. Oh, Pat Garner. She she has it. I should have. I wish I could be Pat Garner. She's the best. You know, that was another thing was like my same idea. But in my group, the woman who started with knitting, she had knitting hands. She, which, she got did knitting you know wrist. Knitting wrist. Knitting wrist. Thank you for, yeah, yeah, thank just you for having just read yep. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you know that existed? You probably did. I feel like you might. <laughs> I, I I might have heard of knitting wrist. <laughs> I had not heard of knitting mm-hmm. wrist. And I was just like, that is so, a, that is such a perfect example of just how we can take something we love, like feeding our kids and cooking for our kids, not me, but you. Or there's something that you do for one that you feel like, well, I have to do it for, for all of my children. Yeah. When in reality, I have said to my third plenty of times, I know it's crazy. You don't get the same things. And I say to my first, I know it's so much easier for that kid. Yeah. The rules are different. I'm a different mom. You're developing. Yeah. And if I had started out with that one, where I started out with you, then by now you guys would all be strippers because there would be no (laughs) rules. It would be insanity. That's just reality. That's the way it goes. Yeah. I'm one of three kids. Come on. Yeah, please. Please. You're lucky to be here. By the way, that kid is amazing. Oh my gosh, very, very cute. And now a quick word from my sponsor, LifeStraw. A lot of people make New Year's resolutions to drink more water and stay healthier. But have you thought about upgrading the actual water you're drinking? I am pretty sure that the water filter pitcher to make tap water safe to drink is not even always cleaned out And most filters can't remove gross contaminants like bacteria, parasites, PFAS, and microplastics. LifeStraw Home is a kitchen upgrade you are going to be so psyched to make. It's the only water pitcher that filters out over 30 contaminants, including the bacteria, microplastics, and PFAS. Also, not for nothing, it's really pretty. It's a glass pitcher with a silicon base, and it's actually chic. I'm not going to lie. It's sleek and sustainable design is made from hand-blown borosilic glass. And it's also including a silicon base. So it's easy to use, easy to maintain, and it really does improve taste. And importantly, LifeStraw fights for the planet and gives back. For every pitcher sold, a child in need receives a year of safe water. That's over 9 million kids to date better filtration, better taste, better design. LifeStraw home products can be found at lifestraw.com and on Amazon. Okay, let me just say a couple of things, all right? I really love, I don't know where I wrote this down, but I remember writing it, that the shepherd doesn't design the sheep. I'm gonna read it for you. 
You are a shepherd. You don't design the sheep. Shepherds are powerful people. They pick the pastures in which the sheep will graze and develop and grow. They determine whether they are appropriately nourished. They determine whether they are protected from harm. The environment is important, but it does not design the sheep. No shepherd is going to turn a sheep into a dog. Ain't going to happen. And yet, that is what we see parents trying to do all the time. Step back and see yourself as the shepherd. Russell Barkley. Thank you. It took me a long time to understand temperament. I think having three kids really helps it along. Yeah. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Well, it does, but if it depends on, you know, if you have three kids, you're probably going to have an orchid in there somewhere Mm -hmm. or at least a tulip who's part orchid, part dandelion. Mm -hmm. And it depends on where that tricky kid comes. Because if you start with easy, you're thrown by a highly sensitive or whatever you want to call it, kid. All sorts of different names All these days. All sorts of different names. But um, orchid. I, do, I like orchid better. I like orchid too. I actually have a little orchid in there encased in something to, rep- to remind myself that I'm raising an orchid, to treat them like an orchid, to treat myself as a parent of an orchid, which means lots, lots of loving deep breath. Yep. You know, I feel like there is an interesting thing about you, which is... You should, like, by all accounts, you would think you'd be an orchid. I'm such a scrubby dandelion. And you're just a little dandelion. Oh, my gosh. Like, whack-a-mole. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, you can't get me down. I I will grow up out of the crack of concrete. I haven't had to. I've had a really lovely life. But I'm a I'm a the but that, dandelioniest dandelion. Yeah. And it's so interesting. I just feel like people should know this about you. <laughs> I'm a weed. Yeah. <laughs> She's a really very beautiful weed. Well, I know. The one problem with his metaphor mm-hmm. is that this metaphor of Dr. Thomas Boise, who did all the research on orchids and dandelions, is that dandelions, while to raise a dandelion is quite a bit more, is probably quite a bit more easy. The flower itself, nobody wants to be considered a dandelion. Oh, really? You know, like, because when I describe it. Oh, I'm proud of my, as soon as I heard the metaphor, I was just like, yep. That's me. And I know where I am. But I do think it's interesting because you don't associate dandelions with these beautiful, amazing flowers. So you could see that it's a judgment call. But I think what he was doing, which I, I feel is very clever, is that we often take the what what used to be called in the literature, frankly, back in the day, they were just called difficult children. Mm, they were mm-hmm. just called difficult. Mm-hmm. Then it turned to spirited. And now then it's highly sensitive, all these different things, deeply feeling, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But orchid feels like we found the magic way of saying something to appreciate these kinds of humans. Mm-hmm. But in the process, I think the dandelions who used to be called in the all the literature on temperament, just easy. I mean, it was just back in the day, it was Mm -hmm. just really straightforward. Yep. Easy, difficult, cautious. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) And now it's like we've gotten. Man, they really grow up to be the coolest people, kids. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's so fun to know your kids as they get bigger. It is. It's so fun. And that's why it's so cool not to be able to control who they're going to be. Yeah. I wish I could have chilled out and understood that. Good enough is good enough. And you can still be conscientious and excellent. Yeah. While accepting that. In fact, good enough is actually, if you're aiming for 
better. Like if you are thinking about excellence, good enough is excellent. Mm -hmm. Because excellent, work with me here, Mm -hmm. is that that perfect, that sense that it's perfect is so cruel to our children. It really is. Who needs that? The key is letting yourself be exactly the parent you are with exactly the good enough that you're going to give and knowing that if you did it too well, it would just put, it would model something unattainable for your kids to just hate themselves. Mm -hmm. Really, Mm -hmm. like just get, grow up and think, why wasn't I as good as my mother? Why can't I be so perfect? Mm -hmm. You have so many tabs. I know because I just start. I was marking all the things that mattered to me. Uh, but then intentions. I'd like to auction that book. <laughs> you can. <laughs> I like the idea that you can say, I'm here to a baby that's crying. Yeah. And that that's enough for yourself and for your baby. Because your babies are going to cry and you're not always going to make it better. And sometimes you just need to know that a way to make yourself feel better. Penelope was colicky. Ooh, gosh. <laughs> How dare she? <laughs> so what would you do? Well, I held her mm-hmm. and let her, it turns out, long story short, she had a really bad milk protein allergy. Bless her little button. So I just cut out all dairy, which by the way, is very challenging. Yeah. For um, a baby, Yeah. And then she got better. But for the period of time where I thought that was gobbledygook, I just had to hold her a lot or her dad held her a lot or anybody that would be willing held her a lot. And then one day when it was over, I was like, that was fantastic to be finished with. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that was too much. But I will say that my next child was a happy spitter. Mm where she was fine. It seemed like she had reflux because mm-hmm. she, you know, spit up, spit all the up time. constantly. Like if I got dressed and I picked her up. Covered. 100% of the time, yeah. But she would then giggle afterwards. So it was totally fine. And I preferred the colic. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I thought the spitting was just, it was just so constant. Yeah. yeah. Before we finish, there's an R that I have a hard time with. Can we just talk about rules? Please, can we talk about rules? Yeah, we talk, so you talk about repair. You talk about all these other things. I want to talk about rules. I agree. It's very unpopular. It's very hard. I love that you make the distinction between, let me see if I'm going to get it right. Rules, limits, and boundaries. I use rules as the umbrella. Right. And then limits and boundaries. Mm-hmm. So, because those are two separate things. Mm-hmm. We talked about boundaries. Mm-hmm. It's like between you and other and you and yourself. And, the, and that's under your control. And then rules are your behavioral expectations of your kids as they move through the world so they can be people that are not just about themselves. And sometimes it's uncomfortable or it's about their safety or emotional or physical safety. And I don't know why, but I, I think rules are so hard for people to do and think that they're not compromising their relationship. Yeah. It's so... And I, I feel for parents because they hear relationship is so powerful and sensitive caregiving and all of the things and connection and attunement and attachment, and they are so important. But I don't know, somewhere in this rules got sent away and there's no scientist that would think that that was a good thing. But I think out in the world, rules seem like they undermine your child's 
freedom to grow into whomever they want to be. And that's a different thing. They're also no fun. And they suck. Yeah, They suck. Also, this is something that I found with my, you know, admittedly bigger kids. First of all, I've never known what's an appropriate rule and what isn't other than I know an appropriate boundary. For example, if you have a kid who, for some reason, like kids do creepy things to your body. They uh-huh. will, you'll realize a kid has started sucking your hair. No. Uh-uh. Right. That's, That's your gross boundary. To me. You'll realize a kid has started like, you know, doing something weird to your arm. No, no, (laughs) you're not putting my arm in your mouth. I'm not interested in that. No, no, thank you. That's a boundary. Like there are plenty of things like you get to a point where you're just like, you don't need to be in the bathroom with me right now. Right. (laughs) Great example. Yeah. Everyone. Thank you so much. Everyone, even the dog. Everyone go. Can we have just a minute? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But rules are so, they just confound me. And I feel like I either have too many or too few and they all got jacked during the pandemic. Yes. And there are some that I don't know how to buy back. I feel like some things got out of control and I don't know how to get them back. But we don't have to talk about me and my rules. I'm going to ask you about them separately maybe or we can. But I do want to know, how do you know what a good rule is for your kid? Well, one is, can you keep it? Oh, Yeah. Because don't make a rule that you can't keep. Oh, amen to right? that. Yeah. If you're like, no TV on Saturday mornings, then you have to be able to keep that. And if you have a rule of doing the dishes on such and such night or what assignment your child has or, you know, that they have to turn their phone in, you have to adhere to that rule. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing is, can I actually follow this rule? If you can't, maybe it's not that important to you. Mm-hmm. And the second is, are they developmentally ready for it? Mm-hmm. If they're not able to follow it, they may need help. Mm-hmm. They may it may be something you have to shape with smaller, mm. more attainable limits. So you have to be able to follow it. It has to be something that aligns with your values. To me, there are a lot of things that could be rules in the house, but I have to think that goes back to having a family value statement. Mm-hmm. Does this interfere with the big important stuff? Mm-hmm like the big 10 commandments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If not, maybe it's not a rule worth having. Mm-hmm. And then I think also you think about how does this impact other people? If it's a rule that you think, well, I don't really care, but they have to move through the world and I need them to know that there are other people in the world, then I think it's worth keeping. That's how I do it. Okay. What are you thinking? I think there's some rules I need to re-implement and I wish you could come over and do it. <laughs> Pretty sure they would not listen to me. Yeah, well. But I do, my my best friend's daughter calls me the TikTok taker. Because <laughs> you, you kill people's TikToks? Well, just hers. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I killed her TikTok and then she's got it, she got it back. But I didn't really kill it. I just maybe when asked my opinion, mm. was like, I feel like we don't need this, right? I feel like it's not being used the way it was intended right now. And, but I love her and we have a close relationship. She's not my kid, but because we have a close relationship, even I can have a rule for her, like when Mm -hmm. she comes over, Mm -hmm. because is it annoying? Yes, but we are so close Mm -hmm. that we can survive it. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable with, like, I think that's part, I mean, someone else's kid, it's very hard. We have, this is a very special special, situation. Yes. 
But I do think like we have to, with rules, really figure out how how much we can handle of our children's discomfort. Mm. But then there might be rules that you think you need to revisit that you don't need to revisit because your kids have handled themselves well. I think it's like, how are they doing without those rules? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is very tricky to know how much to insert yourself. What is the line between being a perfectionist and being too hands-off? Yeah. And that Goldilocks situation so is hard. very, very tricky. I mean, every day with parenting is a new chance to try again. So if you go too far, you try the other. But there are, you do have to be intentional about, shoot, I think I have to try this again. Yeah. And I think that in the world of high achieving stress and perfectionism, all those things that we just want to alleviate from our kids, it can be hard to figure out like, okay, so, but do we go to the whole other side of like, you know, you don't have to do anything, Mm -hmm. just do whatever you're interested in. And I I can see that being difficult, but I do think it's the Goldilocks Mm -hmm. model. And you just have to ask yourselves what, and also you could pick certain things where you're just like, this is important to me and I have no good reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think think we're entitled to that. You get some of those. Yeah. Yeah. We took a family picture over Christmas and I just, my son just loathes anything like that. And I was, we were with my parents and my sisters and their kids and their husbands and I said, we are taking a family picture. You are not going to make a face and you are going to do it. You have to. It's for my mom, for grandmom. She wants it. That'll do it. And we, that is, we are, we are doing this. And he was in agony. And I'm sure the pictures will be hilarious. I'm sure his smile will reflect his pain, but he did it. Because he knew that you wouldn't say that kind of thing. It didn't really matter to you. And I think that's important about rules too is, care about them because mm-hmm. if you don't care about them they are a waste of everybody's time yeah that is gosh is that the truth a rule you can't keep is just undermines you in every possible yep. way and you feel terrible about your parenting yep emptythreats.com yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> should we finish with a a little regulation sure do you want to do what makes you happy oh i like that because then you could answer it okay so is when you play what makes you happy, do you go back and forth and back and forth? No, it's a one-on-one. So you ask the same person the same question over and over. Oh. Because it's hard. You have to mm-hmm. come up with a lot of things. And then after that, the other person does it. Okay. In this case, we, only one of us has to do it. Everybody will get the gist. Okay. In the moment, but you see what it does to you. Mm-hmm. Want to give it a try? Sure. Okay. So let's do a little hand on heart. We're going to take a breath. Okay. What makes you happy? First cup of coffee of the day. What makes you happy? Falling into bed with a book. What makes you happy? Seeing my kids laugh together without me. What makes you happy? Dropping the last one off at school. What makes you happy? Standing next to camera and watching somebody that I'm working with, kill it in the scene. What makes you happy? Hair and makeup trailer. What makes you happy? Colleagues, being with colleagues, whether it's Save the Children, Once Upon a Farm, or being at work. What makes you happy? Good book. What makes you happy? Taking off in an airplane. What makes you happy? 
landing back home. What makes you happy? Hearing my mom and dad's voice. What makes you happy? My house, a fireplace, a blanket. What makes you happy? A really good sweater. What makes you happy? Watching a mom and child connect when I'm visiting their house was safe. What makes you happy? Being in the audience for literally pretty much anything. (laughs) What makes you happy? Being on stage for the same reason. What makes you happy? Seeing you. Okay, we can end with that one. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations, Aliza. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I feel very personally responsible for this book because I believe I ordered it up. You did say to do this. I did. A couple of years ago, I said, it's time. We need your book. And you more than delivered, you know, as your friend, but also as a true student of yours. I had so much in my mind for what this book could be, and you've surpassed it in every way. So congratulations. I'm going to be giving it to as many people as I know, and that is a lot of people. (laughs) Thank you. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.